Welcome to Soul Forum. I'm Dan Center. And I'm April Bell. And together we co-host a series of conversations and reflections that explore the unfolding search for that sense of soul. The way folks from all walks of life stumble into or construct or give shape to what they describe as their most authentic self or their spiritual sense of things or their own wisdom path. What I really love about this introductory series that we call In Search of Soul is the diverse ways in which the folks we interview describe how they awaken to all of this in their own lives. From the college student to the 87-year-old environmental activist, married couples, those at mid-career, every story and reflection opens up some new window in how we might all find our way into an experience of our own individual or collective soul. Episodes include my reflections on the conversations that integrate insights from poets and theologians, philosophers, and even my 35 years of experience working with all sorts of folks in search of a worthy spiritual path. And I am honored as the founder of a storytelling and wisdom keeping project to spend time with each of them to allow their life story to help give you a sense of how every moment of life can draw you into your own sense of soul. Soul, it's that integrative force that so many experience as a guiding principle or an orienting force in their lives. So give yourself a moment to journey a little deeper into the human experience. Welcome to Soul Form. The woman that I met with this last week, her name was Victoria and um, her insights into the way in which she longs to construct her own uh, engagement with the world really left me with this challenge of how do we how do we simply prepare ourselves and this is what I think she was kind of exploring to kind of the work is really to just simply be prepared to allow for the wonder and the mystery and the, maybe you might call it the more, the spirit, the capacity of all of the interwoven connections that make us who we are to rise up and in a sense, hold us more fully, right? It's from her perspective, it, it's not that we're trying to build our way into something. You know, we, we even, we talk about that in church a lot. You know, we use language about, you know, building a church, come build a church or, or to, you know, build a solid foundation. You know, we, we have these notions that we're actually the ones who are constructing this thing. And, and there is a little bit of truth to that, but there's also truth. And this is what I realized in talking to her. There is truth in just kind of building vulner the capacity for vulnerability or openness that allows that which is to be so present for you that that is the relationship in which you find you can be fully yourself and and that which is a is is coming up or finding space is being itself too right you're you're in this space of deep relationship with all that is and all that you are not by not by 
overthinking it or, or, or crafting it, but just being open to it. Here's Victoria talking about her journey away from organized religious systems and into a more expansive sense of her awareness or, or maybe her sensitivity to the wonder and mystery in which she finds herself held, or as she understands it, the way she's connected to something more. Yeah, I guess like most places I've lived, whether it's like another city or just like a new part of California, I think I, I kept like looking at different churches, mm -hmm. like different types and and I even sometimes would go back to the, my old one. Yeah. But, and I'm glad you did use the word system because I've been thinking about that so much, but they all feel so like system-ish. Mm. I don't, I can think about that later. Yeah. So it never, it never really felt right or like comfortable. Hmm. Um, but I would say like, yeah, in my 20s and meeting people who were into meditation or like starting to go to retreats. Yeah. And kind of getting more into like the yoga world. That I would say was probably like a shift from only being in like the building of church right, right. to more expansion. Hmm. And. What did that feel like when you like started to, you know, because if you grow up in a system that is a little bit more tight around the edges and then you feel like, oh, I, I'm having some helpful experiences in this more open landscape. Was that like liberating for you or was it scary or was it um, was the transition smooth? What how would you describe that? Because that was that's different than what you grew up with. Yeah. I think the word that comes to mind is like it felt more connected mm. because I mean it felt like me but also like this bigger opening and maybe uh, me like more personal mm. like instead of it being um, yeah I think it's hard for me to feel like one-to-one -one in church mm. um, yeah and I noticed it when I came the other day I was like the people who spoke to me are really kind and people are welcoming, mm -hmm. but it's not very personal. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh yeah, I like feel that again. Where I feel like when you're doing the morning talk, it feels to... very like, like you're just like sharing. Yeah. You're super open. And I don't even know how you do that because there's not like a response on the other side. Yeah, yeah. But at least when I'm listening, like I know I'm not there, but I feel really connected to what yeah. you're saying. What do you think? Do you have a sense of why that, because now you've used connection a couple times, so what yeah. creates sort of that spiritual resonance or that kind of um, like, almost like sacred connectivity, you know, you feel like I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I don't even know how to describe it, it's almost like a shared vibration or, you know, I. I don't know what it is. It's really hard for me to even find language for it. It is such a hard thing to describe because I think it's a feeling. Ah. Uh, I think. Yeah. 
And yeah, I think sometimes like trying to not be so much in the head and figure out what like, oh, what is it? Like thinking and mm -hmm. trying to use words. But I mean, the things that come to mind are like, oh, like you're, you're in the zone. Like it's something about that, like mm -hmm. being in that mix where, yeah, and I'm sure people could feel it in a lot of things, like in a sport or, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's something about dropping in, being mm -hmm. like dialed in. And I think why I keep saying connected is because, um, yeah, it's like connected to source or mm -hmm. spirit where it's like, it's not just like having a conversation up here, but yeah. it's like connected to something. And more. why do you, when you come to the 11 o'clock, which is much more, um, it is structured, right? Because there's language that everybody's required to speak, mm -hmm. including me, right? So, and then yeah. there's a rigid uh, construct in which I have to present content, right? That's linked to text that people expect. So it's all pretty formulaic yeah. at that level. And what I'm hearing you say is, even though you would come to that, that doesn't provide the kind of connection that you're talking about. And I, so I'm, I, I'm trying to figure out what is that piece? Possibility, power. The other word that came up for me was vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Like those two words, when you're being vulnerable, yeah. you are open. Yeah. Right? Like, right. You don't have like the armor or the... Mm. For Victoria, she um, uh, clearly self-identifies as a kind of a Gen X person and, and was describing beautifully, I think, the, the sort of the inner angst of her particular generation that she wrestles with. And, and one of the things that she was reflecting on that I thought was so beautiful is that for her, the next generation um, seems to easily pick up uh, the capacity of technology to interact with the world. And, and she felt like she hadn't quite made that transition. And, and the reason was, this is what was so fascinating, is that she didn't want to give up the capacity for relationship that you have with even just general stuff in the navigating of the everyday world that we live in. Let me just give you a quick example. Like for her, she still wants to sit down with a book, right? <laughs> she doesn't need to download an app and or Kindle and, you know, uh, or, you know, listen to the podcast like we do or, you know, all this tech stuff. She wants to be with the, the book. And as she was describing that, you know, the, the turning of the pages, the weight of the thing, the smell, the texture, the, it, it's almost like, the relationship with the story is enriched by the experience of the thing itself. And, and I can tell for her, she did not have any interest in letting go of that because that, that held some capacity for um, allowing the, the experience of this story that she's reading or the book and to be fully present for her in a way that doesn't happen when you can just simply get into a transactional relationship with a piece of tech that gets you the content. 
Hopefully this doesn't make any sense to you. <laughs> Hopefully this is pushing you too to think in terms of, yeah, what is going on there? And I, and I admit in listening to her, I was thinking, you know, how quickly we tend to dismiss um, those kind of moments and look for the easier path, right? The quicker fix. And, and clearly that is not something that she's interested in. And I think that's the wisdom that she brought to our conversation and hopefully to you too, is that there, there is something about showing up and allowing other, either person, um, human, non-human, world, to show up as well. To, to this sort of epiphany moment of both being present at the same time. And in that moment, there is some space that happens. In fact, towards the end of the conversation, she was reflecting that as we were having the conversation, it's almost as if world was more present for her. Um, the, the breeze was, the sensation of breeze was more, uh, encased her more or, or affected her more. The bird song or the temperature or the quiet of the space, all was more present. It was, a, it was like being more present by just simply showing up for one another in a moment. One of the things that came up for me as I listened to Victoria was the notion by a Jewish uh, theologian and philosopher by the name of Martin Buber, famous, 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 uh, thoughtful in person, I think, who uh, kind of opened up some new frontier using the the framework of, of Judaism. And he wrote a book, a famous book called I Thou. And I just want to spend a moment with Martin Buber on two fronts. One, I Thou was born out of a larger historical context of many people in the Hebrew tradition whose dependency on kind of the uh, scholarly engagement with the law or their text was no longer viable for them. It wasn't, it, it wasn't working for the masses. And so there was a movement within um, Judaism that was a little bit more um, mystical. As he saw it, there were two ways of being relationship to world. And one is, and you can Google this and just figure out how it works, but one is an I-it relationship. And an I-it relationship is what most of our relationships are about, right? I, I am the primary and it is something that I am in relationship with in kind of a transactional way. It serves as a, it serves as a function for me. And, and we can put all sorts of things in the it category. Uh, all, the, all the technology we use, things, items, um, anything could be an it, right? We're not allowing it its fullness. It's just, it's transactional. You know, like the conversation we were having about the book, right? That's, the book is just this tool that I'm using to get the reading done. Uh, my relationship with another person can be an I, it, in that I am orienting to world and I'm using my relationship with that person as a sort of a functional relationship. And I'm totally guilty about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you are too, but I'm so guilty of this. 
in that when I, most of my transactions with other human beings are what, what do I have to get out of this and getting that to happen? The person is not a person at all. Right? The person is just me trying to get the thing done or get it accomplished. We know what that's like. Uh, even uh, our most intimate relationships can have aspects of that to it. So Buber said, you know, predominantly the world can function like this I, it sort of world. But he said, but there's another possibility. And Buber called it the I, thou relationship. And, and all of a sudden the it is allowed fullness. And I see in a relationship of I, thou, that that which I'm in relationship with is actually a full reflection of all that is, right? That, that person or that thing at the moment is everything to me. You in this moment become everything for me. And as I bring my whole self and allow your whole self to be lifted up together, we are, we are in this moment that is what Buber thinks of, the kind of the magic in that moment is actually God. That was his phrase, right? That that is the energy in that moment is what we think of as God. It is the, the, the true communion of I and thou. Buber, Buber puts it this way. Uh, let me read a quote from him. He says, when two people, and it doesn't have to be two people, right? It could just be me and, um, and the oak tree, frankly. Um, when two people relate to each other authentically, humanely, God is the electricity that surges between them. When two people relate, or when you relate to uh, that which you perceive as it, as thou, when, when that relationship is changed so that the thou holds, uh, it is everything to you. The electricity that surges in that moment is God. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know how you practice that kind of I thou, but that's what Martin Buber is inviting you to think about is to find God, not in the construction of some language that puts God in a box that you can understand or make sense of, right? That that's, that's not how God works. It's a much more of a vulnerable process of being truly present in the world in a way that is uh, authentic, intimate, uh, open, vulnerable, so that the thou and you, I and thou, can, can be in this communion, the communion together, that I am changed and the thou is changed because of the transaction. The, 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 the wonder of that moment is, is the religious experience, is, the, is what life is all about, right? And those who have those moments, you know, they can feel like that, right? You want them to last forever. You know, you ever been in a conversation with somebody that's just so deep and rich that the time 
just fades away and you're like so dialed in with them and you're, you're like, I, I want this to be my every day. And you can't keep it going all the time, but you have a sense of that really matters, right? That moment really mattered. I, I, was, I was present for that experience and that experience was present for me. Martin Buber puts it this way when he thinks about the way in which kind of institutions tend to want to grab everything. And I've been guilty of this too. You know, religions and institutions and traditions sometimes tend to take that beautiful process and get it into a box or a construct that everybody can agree upon and then lock it up tight and then try to market it or sell it, right? <laughs> Churches do that all the time. I've done that in my career. Um, Martin Buber says this, I, I do not accept any absolute formulas for living. Isn't that great? I, I love this. I do not accept any absolute formulas for living. No preconceived code can see ahead to everything that can happen in one's life. For as we live, we grow and our beliefs change. They must change. So I think we should live within this constant gift of discovery. We should be open to this adventure in a heightened awareness of living. We should stake our whole existence on our willingness to explore and experience. And the exploration and the experience that Buber is referencing is this authentic one of the I-thou, the one that we long to um, enter into more fully, the one that I think transpired when Victoria and I just sat down and were present for each other for an hour. That is the, that is the, for lack of a better term, right? That is the venue that invites you into a, 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 the gift of awareness where Victoria's full self is being present as I and thou, my full self is being present. And just in that moment alone is the possibility for uh, the real gift of life to be experienced. And in that, in that kind of eternal moment, it filters down and it, it has effect on, on who you are, right? It, it changes something inside of you so that your story might change as you move down the river ever more deeply towards the sea. How can you let all that show up for you? Uh, maybe for 10 minutes today or after you're done listening to me today, go outside and just let something out there, anything, be fully itself with you for a moment. You know, if it's the oak tree, put your hands on the tree and in, an, in a moment of gratitude, you know, feel tree being all a tree can be. And in that, in that relationship, you know, feel whole again. Or maybe it's your kids running around and you're like, they're driving you nuts right now because they're like, you know, 
you got things to do today, just let them be themselves for just a few minutes. Just stare at them or something, you know, let them, let them be fully themselves and you be fully present with them for just a minute or something to just tap into what I think uh, Victoria was trying to describe or tap into, which has become her own spiritual practice. The one thing that I discovered as well in this conversation is that that experience is not held in language as well as the stuff we craft, <laughs> right? We're, we're masters of language. I come in here and I talk to you the whole time and we have a conversation and we try to hang everything on language. But I'm not so certain after having a conversation with her that that the way in which we use language to um, articulate, express, share our spiritual insights is the best instrument for this. You almost have to just be in it. Um, you almost have to just arrive and be present for it. And it has its own language, its own sensation, its own kind of feeling interaction that happens. So you, you almost feel it more than you think it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's, that's why this was such a great and uh, I think challenging and beautiful conversation for me to have is because it's really pushing me to think in terms of uh, moving beyond capacity of language to get at this thing. Uh, in our conversation that we had, we talked for a second about how the Buddha, too, um, oftentimes tried to transmit the wisdom that he had by not using language, but by um, the passing of a flower to a disciple or the use of a koan. And Jesus, too, in the Christian tradition, uses language that feels like funny language, right? It's, it's almost poetic language, metaphor, story, um, you know, almost like pushing language to its limits to where the language breaks down and something else happens. Let me close by um, just sharing one more thing that she shared with me, and that is um, she was talking about the way in which she participates in what she um, what is known as restorative yoga. And I was fascinated with the idea because it takes yoga um, and it kind of reframes it. Restorative yoga is just the, the yoga practice that is not trying to, you know, stretch yourself or you know, building capacity. <laughs> it's this, it's the resting part of yoga, but it's resting in order to be restored again. So that you're, you're, softening your pose, this is the way I understand it anyway in my quick reflection on it, but it's sort of softening your pose so that all that holds you in life might cradle you in this moment of deep I-thou kind of experience, right? I'm, I, it dawns on me that I'm not just resting on a pad but I'm resting in an amazing universe, right? That all of a sudden is able to rise up and hold me 
in that moment. And I feel that. I'm restored in that moment. Or as Buber likes to say, when two people can relate to each other in that kind of moment, that electricity is the sacred itself. And here's my second conversation with Victoria around the way in which she reflects on her work as a yoga instructor that allows her to experience this kind of deep connection that oftentimes defies sort of simple description. Uh, here's her description of what restorative yoga is all about. Well, a lot of that is like about rest. Mm -hmm. So like if you've done yoga, do you know like the last pose where you lie down, yep, shavasana? Yep. Okay. I like it's that It's basically like an hour of shavasana. I, I like, gotta go to that class. <laughs> but it's like different poses. Really? Yeah. Um, I think it's like a thing where you're either like, oh, this is heaven, yeah. or it's like, what are we doing? We're yeah. not doing anything. I'm not sweating, you know. <laughs> but so because it is restful and a big element in it is support. Mm-hmm. Like I think what I'm what I'm hoping people maybe pick up on or receive if they're open to it is that it's not only like the physical support of like, oh, this bench is holding me up. Mm. But I think, yeah, I guess I would hope that if people can drop a little bit, it's like, wow, this bench is holding me up. Like mm. it, there's like a bigger weight and energy to it. Mm. I don't know, like, like I feel it right now, like, it just feels like there's something like here. Yeah. How would you what, how would you language that? So when you feel that, so you're feeling like it's not just a bench as we're perceiving it, and I'm sitting on the bench. But there is it relational? Is it, uh, or could you find another metaphor that it could be painted with that would help you? You know, someone tap into what you're trying to give expression to? I mean, I think the best word is like presence because, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think for a while when we were talking, I was like more aware of like, huh. so, I, yeah, it's like so hard to talk about. I don't know. I think as I was speaking, I felt like everything just got like smaller. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, like, I'm really here, like you're here. Like I like really feel the wind more than I was. Mm. I hear it more. Like now I don't hear any cars. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I don't know. It just feels like something kind of swirls up. Victoria talked about this experience and yet admitted, you know, how difficult it was to give expression to it. And so I asked her if she could maybe capture it in a piece of poetry. And as we close, here is Victoria's poem that she shared with me a week later. There is an invitation that dares you to trust, to wonder, to surrender. 
It asks gently, softly, in still quiet moments. It rises up to meet you, like how the Canada geese rise up at dusk, honking overhead to dare you into being. My deep appreciation to Victoria for leaning into this conversation. I hope it opened up some space for you to start to gently rest into the invitation that echoes in the evening sky, a way in which you can find your pathway into a connection to what you understand to be divine or sacred in the world. In our next episode, April sits down with Victoria and lets her explore some of the stories, the life that she has lived, that have kind of guided or influenced her to find herself in the space and the spaces that she shared with us in these conversations that we've had. So join us for that episode coming up. Thanks for being a part of Soul Forum. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a moment to subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review would be tremendous. It truly helps us a lot in regard to being discovered by others. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.